Welcome to Psych for Psychology, a Nystrom & Associates podcast. Our host, Brett Cushing, is a licensed marriage and family therapist at Nystrom. Each week, he talks about all things mental health and therapy with guests, and you get a chance to dive into specific psychology topics that help promote personal development and wellness. And now, your host, Brett. Hello, welcome again to another episode of Psych for Psychology. Today, we have Rasha again with us. So we just did uh, an episode, and I don't even know what we're calling that previous episode. Something about expectations. Yes, yeah, that was so good. And we're expecting this next 30 minutes or so is going to be the best in podcast history. So, Rasha. No pressure. And there is no pressure whatsoever. Right, yes. And we're not going to have any expectations. No, not at all. We're going to radically accept that if this just, you know, totally bombs, that's okay. Let me tell you about my multi-level marketing scheme. Yes. Rasha has an exciting business opportunity. I do. I do. And I want to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. Yes. How do I transition that now into (laughs) art therapy? Uh, So we're going to be talking about art therapy. Mm -hmm. Now, for those that are listening, you're thinking, oh, cool, paint and and clay and things like that. No, we're not. And so uh, art therapy, this is uh, accelerated resolution therapy, and it's a way of uh, dealing with trauma therapy very effectively. Krista and I, you and I do EMDR therapy, which is another way of doing trauma therapy. Yep. That was the first time you were on the podcast as you talked about it. Memories. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we need background music there. (laughs) So like a harp. So now we need more background music, like a drum roll or something, because we have (laughs) Rasha to talk about accelerated resolution therapy. And tell us, what in the world, what is this? So accelerated resolution therapy actually came out of eye movement desensitization desensitization and reprocessing. Nice. Uh, EMDR, the thing that you guys do. Uh, the woman who created it, her name is Lainey Rosenzweig. Mm. And she was an EMDR therapist who started using the therapy and kind of had some issues with it. There are some things she didn't like about it and then some things that she did like. With EMDR? Uh, yes, wow. with EMDR. Okay. So she started doing EMDR with her clients mm-hmm. and started changing it. And her mentor said, you're kind of really straying from what EMDR yeah. is. Yep. Sure. I think this is a new kind of therapy, so you need to figure out what this therapy is. And so she developed accelerated resolution therapy. So cool. in this description, you may recognize some things from EMDR. I have not, I'm not trained in EMDR, but I have received it as a client. I've mm. also received accelerated resolution therapy as a client. So I can kind of contrast the two. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. So in EMDR, my understanding, and I've, I think I maybe only had three sessions of it, and it mm-hmm. was many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of resource installation correct. in EMDR. Correct? Which means? If I remember correctly, it's basically like setting up ways for the client to care for themselves as these traumatic memories are being addressed. Yep. Is that fair yep. to say? It's kind of spending time on the front end to... Help, help the client sort of hold these, yeah, the traumatic memories that they're going to be bringing up. So you want to, you're, you're like investing in some positive visualizations and positive emotions. And that really also yeah. helps like be able to have this kind of dual awareness. Like I can like yep. really get in this fight or flight mode and then I can get back into kind of a peaceful mode. And it's also building some new neurological pathways in the brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... It, 
But you're right. There is an investment in that, or the the time spent on it is is more. Maybe it's, it can be significant too, yep. right? Yep. So uh, accelerated resolution therapy does not have that. It kind of happens during the process of the therapy. If you wanted uh, Brett to have a session of ART right now, we could do it. And we and you could have some results happen. I say let's do it. The first session. Yeah, I'm still struggling with like my late Starbucks coffee, you know. Oh, no. So you could help me with that. I probably could. You know, it really would have been kind of fun to have something to to do and address right here. So people There'd be a lot of silence, unfortunately. Okay. For a podcast, you wouldn't be able to there's a there are big parts of it where there's nothing, there's no sound. So, yeah, um, maybe someday when we have a video aspect to our podcast, yes. yeah, demonstrate. I would love yeah. to do that. That yep. would be great. Yep. So it utilizes uh, bilateral stimulation like EMDR does, but we only use one kind. Uh, I know the ser- therapist that I saw for EMDR had one of those fancy lights. electronic boards oh, yeah. that had oh, lights, right. but it also had a hookup for headphones so that you could hear a tone going back mm-hmm. and forth between sure. the two sides of the head. Yep. And it also had buzzers that you could hold, hold on to that bit. buzzed between yep. the two sides. Yep. So bilateral stimulation being uh, both sides of the body stimulated back and forth, which causes a calming feeling in the brain and in the body. And it activates both sides of the brain, left and right side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, in accelerated resolution therapy, we only use, I should say, 99% of the time we use smooth pursuit eye movements by the hand. So just watching the cl- the therapist's hand go oh, back and okay. forth. Mm-hmm. If the client has a vision problem of some kind, then we can use tapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that appears to be effective also, according to the research. Hmm. So, and What is smooth pursuit? So smooth pursuit, it just means that the eyes are one and going in a straight line. Yep following the hand and it's very smooth and the eyes are pursuing the hand basically. Okay. I think. okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's not rapid per se. And it, it can, can be, be pretty fast. Okay. Yeah. Sure. During the, the recall of the traumatic memory or the target memory, the move, the movements are fast when the client is connecting to soothing imagery or positive feelings. We slow the, the number of, uh, eye movements down. We slow it down. Interesting. So, now, I yeah. would imagine some people listening could actually have a little bit of anxiety thinking, oh, well, I, uh, I don't know if I want to talk about some past memories. Yes. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who might be feeling a little bit reticent to go and deal with trauma and past difficult Well, memories? I can say one of the wonderful things about accelerated resolution therapy is that they can share as little or as much as they wish. So I don't need very much information at all in order to do accelerated resolution therapy. How old the person is and kind of a general idea about what the memory is, that's because then I need to know what to call the memory when I'm asking them to think about it. Mm -hmm. But they don't have to share anything that they don't want to share about it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, accelerated resolution therapy in particular is very helpful in that way. The client doesn't have to share any part of the trauma if they don't want to. And that can be helpful for a therapist, too. Yeah, because there's fear and concern uh, by therapists. I don't want to re-traumatize my client. So you're saying this is really effective in that way, too, that people aren't going and being re-traumatized as they talk about their past trauma. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's about a 12-step process. Uh, There's a little intro 
information at the beginning about how to do the the smooth pursuit eye movements. We practice them to see whether my hand is at the right level. I get pretty close to the client, not like, you know, knee to knee, but maybe about a foot between our knees. Hmm. And uh, I sit off to one side so that they're watching my hand as opposed to looking at my face. Yep. And then... Uh, They go through the memory in kind of chunks, depending on how long the memory is. Mm -hmm. So we'll do a set of eye movements while they look at the memory. And the most important thing is that they allow the feelings of that memory and the images to come up while they're Mm -hmm. watching my hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we stop. We put the memory outside of the room and have them check what's going on in your body now. Mm -hmm. What kind of uh, negative, positive, or neutral sensations are going on. And then we process those also with smooth pursuit eye movements. Sometimes we use a, I I may suggest my favorite one to suggest is you're on a deserted Island. There's a blue lagoon. You can go into this lagoon and the water is right at the middle of your chest. The whole thing is that deep. So you can swim if you want to, or Mm -hmm. you can walk around in it. There's a waterfall and just be in that environment and use the waterfall to target the part of your body that feels the most uncomfortable and be there. And this part is also combining with the smooth pursuit. We switch, switch back and forth. Okay. So, so then, yeah. And the smooth pursuit eye movements are part of that also. So they visualize that. Then we bring the memory back in and we keep doing that until they say that they're done with the memory. Mm. And then we have them look at it again. I was going to say, just like a story, you know, when you tell a story, you never tell it the same way twice, unless maybe you're a public speaker who's memorized a story Mm -hmm. detail for detail. And so we have them look at the memory again, Mm -hmm. see what's changed. It might go faster, might go slower. There might be more detail, less detail. They might feel differently about the memory already, looking at it a second time. Mm. Already? Already. Hence the word accelerate. Yes. Yeah. So they look at... I'm sorry. How long would a session last? About an hour. So it's still Depending. You know, sometimes we have, you know, clients have difficulty with the smooth pursuit eye movements. There's some discomfort. So it may take longer to kind of connect to those. Sometimes the memory may take a long time to get through the first time. Uh, And I've found that most clients, we can get through the whole protocol in one hour. Uh, Most of the time I can do that. We can do that together. So is this one, when people are going through Mm -hmm. a session... How intense is it for them? Are they really just overwhelmed with intense emotion? Are they shutting down? Is it? It varies. Okay. I haven't ever had anyone shut. Oh, that's not true. I did have a client who felt very angry in a session and refused to continue. Uh, when I worked in inpatient treatment, that, mm-hmm. that client refused to continue. And what was crazy is we were able to uh, to get through most of the memory. And even though we only did one step of the 12-step process, he came back the next week and said, it's really weird. Like, I'm remembering some new things about this, and I want to do it. And we did it again, and it was successful for him. Yeah. That's amazing. So I forgot to say that one of the things we do when we start up is we do one of those scaling questions with subjective units of distress. Right. How difficult is it? are the, the feelings around this memory, yep. zero to 10. And then we have them, we do that again at the end so that they sure. can see the progress that they've made. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who do all of the work. I'm just a guide. Yep. So I know with EMDR, it's, it's rather, it's a rather expedient process compared to other types of 
trauma therapy. Sure. So EMDR could be as little as a few sessions to a few months. And uh, it's kind of the way I, I think we talked about it in the podcast that you and I did, Chris, is EMDR, I kind of see like it's, it's not this aha moment where people go, oh, I'm free. This is great. It's sort of like a plane taking off, you know, and you're in the plane thinking, all right, are the wheels up? Are we off the ground? Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. And, oh, I guess we are. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of subtle. Yeah. And what's it like for clients who go through art or accelerated resolution therapy was they're getting healing? What's that look like for them? I think the main thing that I see is that clients are able to look at these memories. And we don't just do it with trauma, by the way. Accelerated resolution therapy is helpful for letting go of addictive patterns, uh, letting go of uh, difficult relationships. Like it can work for, for many, a variety of different things. And in my experience, the memory feels different. It's just not as activating for them. We don't erase the memory, you know, like we don't have that technology. We don't have that ability, the ability to do that. And they're able to see the memory often are able to see the memory from a different perspective. They're able to see other people's behavior that happened at the time from a different perspective. It's just not as emotionally painful as it had been. We don't make it into part of the the third step of the process after they go through the memory the second time and see what's different. The third step of the process is creating a new version of this memory. It doesn't erase the original memory, but it's part of the process that helps them to kind of cut the tie to the anchor that's been holding them Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. So I give some suggestions. If I know what the memory is, I might give some suggestions on how to change it. So uh, one example is somebody who's had a loss. We have them meet with the person who passed away and by a death. I mean, they've had a, a death in their family or a death of somebody they cared about. Mm-hmm. We have them go back and see that person and talk to them about the things that they didn't get to talk to them about or hear from them the things that they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although that's still a sad memory, we can't erase the fact that this person is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. That process allows them to get some closure. Right. Totally. So it's not rainbows and unicorns at the end. It's just it, what the way I think of trauma in a very simplistic way is I put my hand up in front of my face. All I see is my hand. Yeah. I can barely see the two of you, but trauma therapy, that's what trauma is. And then trauma therapy is kind of zooming out and I get this greater context mm-hmm. with a greater context. I have greater understanding and, and a different meaning or a greater expanded meaning of maybe this traumatic event. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, yeah. that people go through this and they saw it in a certain way and they had a meaning attached to it. Yes. Now that meaning is is been broadened a bit and that's meaning is everything to us. We live it our sure whole life is. based on meaning. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great way of putting it. Uh, and usually, you know this from working with trauma therapy, a big part of what's painful to our clients is that they blame themselves in some way for this thing that has happened. And Mm -hmm. that's huge. If we can help them to see that from a different perspective, that, that there really is nothing they could have done differently, Mm -hmm. that they did what they needed to do in that moment to stay safe Mm -hmm. and, and that it's not their fault. I mean, that is incredibly freeing. Do you find that when you're doing this 
protocol or this process that people come to that conclusion on their own about the fact that either it wasn't their fault or like, how are you kind of guiding that? Because with EMDR, we have like a negative cognition and a positive cognition and it's all. So I don't know if how that works with this. That's a great question. I, I can't say that I've ever heard a client say, okay, so when I, uh, when I assess for post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. you know, we've got that little checklist in our electronic record system. And yes. I'll, I'll go through those things. And one of the, the, the checklist items is uh, blames themselves. I can, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, yeah. saying exactly what it is. No blame self or others or the world. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so I will, the way that I phrase that to the client is something that's really common with people who have trauma mm-hmm. is that even though they intellectually know this isn't my fault, mm-hmm something inside of them still feels like they are to blame. Is that true for you? Right. And my clients always say yes. Mm-hmm. And and they do. Like, there is that duality. Like, yeah. I know there's nothing. Intellectually, I know, but I still feel like it was my fault. So mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. Yep. Clients yep. that are... And trying to reconcile that. Sure. To get their body to believe what they know in their mind to be true. Okay. I like that. I like that. So kind of addressing that disconnect sometimes that we have between what we know intellectually and then our body is telling us a different story, right? Like I might know logically that the trauma is over, but every time I see a certain prompt or whatever, it it like, I start to get into that fight or flight, right? And that's part of the the protocol also after we do a bunch of different visualizations. uh, So we have them create this new version of the memory. Mm-hmm. Then we do this thing called uh, finding snapshots where they go back to the old memory again and they look for parts that stick out further than the rest. Mm-hmm. And then we do this erasing process with each of those and have them reinforce the positive memory again, the new version mm-hmm. that they created again. And then uh, and now I don't remember what, what, what I was addressing. What did you just bring up? Um, the body, like oh, kind of yeah. the brain and the body and how getting, they can be disconnected. Getting those to connect up. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. noticing the positive feelings in their body that go along with that. Yep. Um, and, oh, that's what it was. One of the parts is having them imagine in the future a trigger, something that might have triggered them. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have them imagine seeing the person who hurt them mm. or... Uh, or being in the neighborhood where they witnessed an accident or whatever it is. We have them go to that place and then notice to any negative feelings come up. And Mm -hmm. this is a place where it's really easy for me to see, was this therapy successful today? Mm -hmm. Because I'm grateful to say that often the client will do that and they're like, I think I would be okay. If I saw that person, I would be okay. So if I went to that place, I would be okay. It's like, oh, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, right. it is. And I could see maybe people listening thinking, well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds really nice, too good to be true. Yeah. And it like sounds sort of like hypnosis, and I don't yes. like that. I don't yes. want to lose I'm glad control you that up. of, yeah. you know, like, and I just don't want somebody taking control of me in session. So is it... That's what's like so wonderful or? about, no, it is not like hypnosis. The client is completely awake and in charge of the process the entire time. Nice. So I make, may, some, may make some suggestions about visualizations, visualizations to use in order to soothe the body. And I may make some suggestions on how to create the, 
the I'm doing new in quotation marks, the new version of the memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may make some suggestions about that, but they don't have to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. So they're in charge of the process the whole time. I'm not doing any memory implantation. They are not in any way unconscious during mm-hmm. the entire process. And I really like what you said about, you know, this kind of seems miraculous. It's, you know, it really depends on what's going on with the client. If the client has had a long history of a lot of different trauma, Mm -hmm. then maybe the first session won't be as successful. Maybe, you know, it's a, it's a, the number at the beginning, the subjective units of the, of distress at the beginning is a nine. And when we're done, it's a seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are other clients where I've seen it go from a nine to a one. In so how many sessions? One. In one session? Yes. Yes. Again, it's not a guarantee. It really depends on everybody. It mm-hmm. depends on how open the client is. We've got this thing that you guys know about called secondary gains, yes. which can really be a confounder when it comes to Tell, therapy. Talk about that a little, if you would. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and this is a tough one. And, and, I'm grateful to say that I can notice secondary gains in myself, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, I don't want to, uh, clean. I hate, I hate that my kitchen is dirty, but I don't want to clean the kitchen because if I clean the kitchen, that means that my husband won't clean it. Right. Like secondary gain. Yeah. Right. Like the secondary gain that I get from keeping this problem problem in place Mm -hmm. is that, uh, my husband's going to do the work and I don't have to. So in other words, right? there is some utility in, in holding on to things that can be destructive to yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Classic one is substance use. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I clear up my trauma, I don't know. I, then I don't have, there's not a reason for me to use anymore. Right. And I really like, you know, I like using mm-hmm. people who use dr- drugs and alcohol. Like they're not just using it to soothe pain. They're using it because it feels good. Yep. It makes sense. So, yep. Right. Right. So if you address the underlying trauma, it's like, well. Now I don't have that don't, reason anymore. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I see it with people with substance use. They may be six months sober and they maybe leave their substance use treatment. And like I kind of get a referral from our substance use department. And I always found this ambivalence then at about six months because, hey, I'm getting sober. Ooh, wait a second. This this road to on sobriety, I don't know what that looks like. It, the yeah, rules are different. Scary. I don't know mm-hmm. what to expect. It's very scary, like you said. However, the, the friend you know, or you know, what is it? Uh, the, the devil you know. The, the devil, devil you, you know. know. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, the addicted life. I know how to do that. Yeah. I'm familiar with it. I know what to expect. And so, yeah, the devil you know is, mm-hmm. is better than. The the w, w you don't, don't. and mm-hmm. so s- similarly with trauma, like this has served me to hold on to this. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying we we're playing the victim card. It makes absolute sense sometimes that I, I just need to hold on to this because yeah. this is in some way protecting me or it's providing something for me. And mm-hmm. so you come up against that sometimes absolutely. as you do this, absolutely, and it's heartbreaking, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is where the client is. Mm-hmm. They they have to be at the place where they're ready to recognize it and let it go and uh, and if I if I can see that then I'll bring that to their attention and and we'll talk through that um, it may may it may require repeated accelerated resolution therapy sessions to address something that mm-hmm. one client 
one session. You know, I had a client who lost his girlfriend when he was 16 Mm -hmm. and drank over that for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. Finally went to treatment in his, I think he was in his 50s. Wow. And we did one session of accelerated resolution therapy and he was able to talk about this death of his girlfriend without crying to a group of people. And in the past, he couldn't even get through the story. Like he'd start crying and he'd be so embarrassed that he was crying that he'd have to stop. Yeah. 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 And now he can talk about it. Is he still sad? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's not sad. denial, right? Because yeah. that would be denial. Yeah. That's not the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a pretty, it's pretty amazing. I have a little story that I use to describe because clients are like, how can that be possible that I have this incredibly negative memory and you can help me release this? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what we can do is change, we can have an impact on the feelings that are associated with the memory. And I sure. use this kind of story. So Krista, could you give me the name of a celebrity that you would love to meet? Um, Brandy Carlisle. Brandy Carlisle. Okay. And somebody in your life that you trust implicitly, if they tell you something, you know, they're, they're telling you the truth. Um, uh, my sister, my younger sister. Uh-huh. What's her name? Ellen. Ellen. Okay. So let's say it's a beautiful summer day. I don't know if today is going to be a beautiful summer day. It's kind of cloudy so. today. Okay. Oh, it's going to be 80 and sunny. So yeah. 80 and sunny. Beautiful day. You're okay. at the gas station. You're filling up your vehicle and you look over at the next pump and holy crap, it's Brandy Carlisle filling up her vehicle. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you go over yeah. to her. You're like, I'm such a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Your music is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Every time I listen to the joke, I cry. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you're here. What are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I had a gig in Minneapolis last night and I just decided to drive around. I'm not, I'm flying back to Nashville tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I'd drive around and the first fan to approach me, I'd take him out to lunch. You want to go to lunch? <laughs> what? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. So you go to lunch with Brandy Carlisle. Okay. Turns out you've got a million things in common. You get along super well. Mm-hmm. By the end of the meal, you're exchanging phone numbers. You're making plans to get together with her and her wife. And, mm-hmm. you, and you and your... Are you married? I don't know. No. You and your significant other <laughs> uh, getting together. And you're just... It's the best thing ever. You can't wait. Yeah. And by the way, on this day, Ellen is not available. You can't get in touch with her. She's off on a retreat or something. Okay. But the next day, you're going to see Ellen. And you're yes. like, you know what? I'm kind of glad she wasn't available because I can't wait to see the look on her, her face, face. Yes. when she hears that I am friends with Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. So you meet her for coffee. Yep. And you're sitting across the table from her and you're telling her the story. So one of the metaphors I like to use for a memory is that it's kind of like a, a morning glory. Uh-huh. You know, when, you, when the sun comes out in the morning, the morning glory opens and you've got the the petals and the pollen inside of it. And, mm-hmm. and with memories, you know, when they're in, back in your mind and they're not thinking about them, they're kind of just back there in their clothes. But when you bring them out and share them with someone else, or you're actively thinking of them, they're, they're open yes, and they're actually uh, susceptible to change. Mm-hmm. And this is what this story is going to demonstrate. So okay. if you think of the petals of the flower as the facts of this story, mm-hmm. gas station, sunny day, Brandy Carlisle out to lunch, we are now friends. Yes. And the pollen represents the main feeling of this memory. What would okay. the main feeling of this memory be if it were a real memory? Oh, gosh. Joy. Joy. There you go. And on a scale of 0 to 100%, how positive is this memory? Up there, 100%. 100% positive memory. Okay. Yeah. So you're telling your story to Ellen. Mm-hmm. And Ellen is not reacting in the way you expect her to. 
she's oh. kind of got this weird look on her face. And you stop the story and you go, what is happening? What Do you know who Brandy Carlisle is? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I know who Brandy Carlisle is. I don't like her anymore. And you're like, what? She's like, yeah, you said she had a gig in Minneapolis. The night before, I was nearby that gig. She drove out of her hotel, hit my car, did $5,000 worth of damage, and drove away. Hit and run. Brandy. Brandy Carlisle did that. Okay. So if you imagine telling this story again Mm -hmm. in the future after you've received this information, how positive is this memory now? It's gone down a little. Because uh-huh. I'm like, no, Brandy, why'd you do that to my sister? Right? So we have changed the feeling of this memory. It is yes. no longer 100% positive. We found something called negative disconfirming information okay. that we put inside of this 100% positive memory. Wow. And so with accelerated resolution therapy, we're doing the opposite. We have this, mm-hmm. you know, most clients would describe trauma as 100% Negative traumatic memory. Yep. And so we're going to find some positive disconfirming information. We can't put 10% of a positive disconfirming information inside of a 100% negative memory and have the, the, it stay, it can't be 110%. Yeah. It's got to push some of that negativity out. Sure. And so that's what we find we can do with accelerated resolution therapy. We either find something real. Mm. I had a client who uh, got into an altercation with a relative and uh, the police were called, and he felt incredibly guilty about this. He he uh, about this altercation with his relative, and remembered when we looked at the the memory the second time that his almost his entire neighborhood was outside. They knew what a difficult relationship he had with this relative. Wow! And they were all saying positive, affirming things to him as he was take, being taken into custody. Oh my goodness! And he had forgotten that. That's incredible. Yeah. And and that helped him to recognize, yes, I have responsibility for my part in this altercation and my relative is really difficult to deal with and Mm. I I can let go of some of this. Wow. I love this analogy so much. That's so helpful. Yeah. Powerful. I think a lot of people can relate to that too. And I loved listening to you talk about it. Could you emphasize the word and uh, like this dialectical balance like yeah this was hard and mm-hmm. there's something even redemptive to help bring some greater broader meaning to this mm-hmm. and I think it was really powerful for I, I'm sure listeners really can relate to what you were saying mm-hmm. I'm kind of proud of that analogy I came up with it myself Did you really yeah what? that's good yeah yeah sorry and I, no, I'm not that I'm shocked because you're obviously amazing but oh, thank you but I love that I love it it's I, so helpful it, it, it really demonstrates what, why it works and, mm-hmm. and how it works. There's also, I want to draw everyone's attention to, sure. there's a documentary on YouTube called Memory Hackers. It's a Nova documentary. Okay. It's like 52 minutes long. And it talks about the science behind this and how we Ultra know hack. that memory is susceptible to change. And where's, nice. what's it called again? Memory Hackers. Memory Hackers. It's on YouTube. On YouTube. 52 okay. minutes long. Okay. It doesn't talk specifically about accelerated resolution therapy, but it talks about the science behind it. I love it. And yeah. so you do this in, uh, what, where's your clinic again you work out of? I work in Mendota Heights, which is Heights. 10 minutes from here. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know where Mendota no, Heights I don't. is. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we're in Bloomington and it's just right down yeah, 494, right? Yeah. 494 to 35 E yep. and then right off of 60, uh, 62. Yeah. Nice. nice. And but what, I, go ahead. What ages do you work with? I work with adults, 18 with adults. to okay. a million. 18 to a million. I love it. <laughs> Yep. Great. Well, yeah. I have to make a shameless plug for my clinic in Lakeville. 
uh, I have uh, one of my staff, Danielle, just got uh, went through the training for awesome. art, and uh, we're really thrilled because there are so many people looking for help with trauma, and mm-hmm. this is it's not only super effective, it's really efficient too. Yes. It really goes quickly. Yeah. So yep. just wanted to plug Danielle and plug you because uh, we want to help people. We want to really empower people to become the best version of themselves. So, and this really helps to do that. And I have to plug the trainer who trained me. One of the best, uh, you know, we pay a lot of money for our continuing education Thank units you. and the money that I paid for this was not insignificant and completely worth it. Uh, her wow. name is Julie Stender. Julie Stender. She has a business called Starfish Enterprises. Starfish. Mm-hmm. I like that name. Yeah. Starfish for sure. And works out of Chanhassen and she's one of the best trainers I've ever had. I'm so. actually conversing over email with her. I'm trying to get her to come into our clinic and talk a little yes. bit about it. I've heard great things about her and so mm-hmm. maybe we'll get her on the show. I was going to say, let's get her on Oh, yeah. she will. Yeah, she's amazing. Great. And uh, she would kick butt on a on a podcast for sure. Excellent. Well, that's what we're looking for. People who can kick, <laughs> kick butt. butt here and yeah. Like Russia. <laughs> like Russia. Yes. Yeah. Hi-ya. Hi-ya. Hi. Russia says hi-ya. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode. And we can't wait to talk with you on the next one. Thanks again, Russia, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you as always for listening and please be sure to leave us a review. While this podcast can't be a replacement for therapy, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today and join us again next time. Nice German Associates is always available to those who are struggling. If you find yourself in need of support and help, please check us out at nicestermcounseling.com.